what do you think your your biggest superpower is? I think it's the fact that I've had different types of tough times, not just grief and loss and heartbreak, but um, serious illness, trauma, uncertainty, disappointment, rejection. And I think my superpower is turning those into stories that make people feel less alone. I study the patterns of the universe. That's just in the brain. Virtue, 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 Hey everyone, welcome to the Think Grow podcast, where personal development meets real life. I'm your host, Ruben Chavez, and I explore a variety of topics with thought leaders, creators, scientists, and other interesting people to bring you different perspectives you can use to enrich your mind and improve your life. If you're an artist or creator of any kind, today's episode is for you. Mari Andrew is an author and illustrator who's built a massive and loyal following by sharing refreshingly honest illustrations about life, love, and vulnerability. In our conversation today, we talk about how she created a career as an illustrator despite not having any formal art training, what she contributes most to her success as an artist, why you shouldn't feel guilty for getting paid for your creative work, We also talk about the benefit of not fitting in, how she deals with criticism and trolls, the power of stories, and much, much more. Mari is also coming out with a book that expands upon her drawings with many essays about her zigzagging journey to adulthood. So we also talk about how that book came about. Mari is a delightful and intelligent woman who's not afraid to speak candidly about who she is and what she's been through. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And now, here's Mari. Mari, thank you for being here. It is my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. I am excited to talk with you. I Oh, I hear you have some ambiance in the back. In the back. I think that's the New York <laughs> setting. It's, it's really bringing us into the scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, you, confirmation, you are in New York City. I am, yes. <laughs> so I was trying to, to think of how I came across your work, and I realized it was through Vanessa, my, my wife. And she'd showed me some of your drawings, one of them specifically related to grief. She lost her mom. It's been almost four years now. And I've never lost anybody super close to me. One of your drawings um, from Instagram really resonated with her and encapsulated kind of grief, the idea of grief and, and how and the evolution of grief as an emotion. And she showed it to me. It was one of these drawings that... I think it was grief as a big luggage or, or like a garbage bag. And then it showed grief mm-hmm. as kind of like a, a you know, a, a luggage, a smaller luggage. And then finally as like a handbag that you can carry around with you. And it resonated with her a lot. And she uh, she showed it to me to kind of help me understand what she was going through. And so that's how I, that's how I came across your work. Ah, and I love that so much. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for telling me that. I That is the biggest compliment I think I can get is that something I did helped someone explain and understand their their feelings a bit better. It's it's such an unexpected 
outcome of what I do, but I, I appreciate it so much. So that's a really special story. Thank you. <laughs> of course. And since then, I've gotten into your work even more. And I mean, you have such fun and insightful and observant drawings that you post on Instagram. And I, I want to get into that a little bit more in your story. I started Think Grow Prosper in kind of a similar way that as you started your your Instagram page. Um, mm. And I know both of us have grown and evolved into kind of more more platforms and, and other things. But it, it's funny because I started Think Grow Prosper at a, at a very difficult time in my life and just trying to keep myself inspired, posting quotes that, that resonated with me, etc. And I understand that that that's kind of the same for you. You you were in a difficult time in your life. What were the events that kind of led to you starting your Instagram page? Um, well, I had it was certainly from a, a rock bottom moment, and I think rock bottoms are an incredible place to start doing what you actually really want to do in life. And I was coming off of a time um, in my mid late twenties where I decided once and for all, I really, really wanted to be a writer. And it's so funny, but at the time I thought I was too old. I thought I was too old to start really getting my name out there. You know, I was maybe 26, but a lot of great writers had been doing it since they were 18 and had gotten a lot of things published already. And so I was feeling very intimidated by that. And I had this idea for a book that would sort of take readers through my 20s and through different locations that were important to me in my 20s. I travel a lot. I've lived different places. So I had this idea of a book that was very place-based and how each city brought up feelings and experiences that really helped me grow into an adult. And so I started sending this book idea around. I started sending essays around to different websites to try to get seen and publish. And I just got I have a folder of them. I have about 50 rejections. Some are some are a little kinder than others, but <laughs> they're all pretty bad. <laughs> I think the kind ones are actually worse. And so I was just getting rejected right and left. I thought, oh, wow, I don't know if my, my dream of writing a book is ever going to come true. I don't know if I have any talent at all. I don't know if I have anything interesting to say. Young women like me are kind of a dime a dozen on the internet. And I don't know if I have a special enough story to tell, or I don't know if anyone wants to hear what I have to say. So I that's the place that I was in. And then during that time, I had sort of a Bermuda Triangle triple axle of of uh, bummers. I broke up with a boyfriend I was I really loved and I think that I was kind of relying on him in a lot of ways to make my life meaningful. I thought he was very creative and cool and I thought, okay, now that I have this guy in my life, I don't really need to do my own thing. I can I can sort of rely on him to lift me up and bring me to cool things and um, show me what's happening creatively in the city. And so we broke up all of a sudden and um, that was disorienting. And then about two weeks later, um, my dad suddenly died of a heart attack Mm. and um, we weren't close. We were actually um, estranged at the time and had been for the past couple of years. So it, 
it did surprise me how much it shook me up, but it was the first time a close, someone close to me had died. So I'd never really had that experience. And I'm an only child and I was, I was completely shaken up by this experience of losing such a, a foundational person in my life and my creative life. And also the, the feeling that I suddenly had to grow up. I suddenly didn't have this person I thought would always sort of be there. And, and more than that, I felt um, isolated that none of my friends had experienced loss before. So I felt very lonely. And then I had um, some minor health issues, but they kept me at home for a couple of weeks. And so this was like, <laughs> this was a pretty depressing time. <laughs> yeah. I was just sitting in my apartment, feeling the loss of my father, feeling in pain, physical pain, feeling in emotional pain from breaking up with this guy. And I was, I didn't really even know where to start. So did this all happen the same year? Was this all one year? In, within the same three weeks. <laughs> within yeah. the same three weeks. Wow. And, yeah. and even the, the book rejections, was that all in the same kind of time period? Well, that had been happening for the past year. Yeah. And then um, once I hit this catastrophe of events, that's that's the time. I mean, it, it happened a couple months later when I was able to process it. But that's the time when I thought, no, I do have something to say. And I actually mm. have this story that I can't keep inside of me. It feels almost like a, a spiritual calling to get it out. And there's so much that I have to say about my life right now. There's, I have so many feelings that I don't even really understand. And I need to start expressing this in some way. And I'm going to write that book and I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to make this happen because I have a lot to say. And also because I hit that rock bottom place, I had the opportunity to look at my life and say, what do I really want to be? What do I want to do? So that was certainly the impetus to start getting my act together. Wow. So you were in this really challenging time. You had all these these crazy things happen to you, hit you all at once. And 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 that's the, the point at which you started kind of making these drawings and posting them to Instagram? Exactly. So that was a part of my kind of internal revolution. I I started a lot of new hobbies. I knew that ultimately I wanted to be a writer and that became very clear to me. But I was still getting rejections and I I've always really liked to draw and I thought that in my book I could draw some little doodles or make maps or accompanying illustrations to kind of bring my stories to life. That was always in my uh, my plan for the book. Hmm. And so I thought, why don't I just start drawing? <laughs> like I've never really done it before. I'm not very good at it, but I like it. And I want it to be a part of how I express myself. But at the same time, I was also doing a lot of other hobbies. I started doing yoga every day. I started taking guitar lessons. I started traveling a lot more. It was really the time when I decided who I wanted to be. Mm. And how to get to that person I wanted to be was basically by just picking up a pen, picking up a guitar, going down to the yoga studio near my house and making these changes and incorporating these rituals that actually made me into the person I, 
I dreamed of being. And so a big part of that was this um, artistic expression and starting an Instagram account, which I kept private for a while, just of a daily illustration was a part of that practice just to bring more happiness into my life and also to start practicing something that I always felt was was within my realm of personal expression. And so I was doing a lot more writing. I was writing a lot about the loss of my dad. I was writing a lot about loneliness and resilience and grief and all of these different concepts that now became very personal to me. And so I was writing these essays. I was doing these drawings on Instagram. And then they sort of started informing each other and almost blending together. I I consider a lot of my illustrations now to be kind of like mini essays. They're mm. they're very similar. It feels like writing to me. So it's evolved a lot, but that's um that's how I got started. I'm curious, is there any particular reason why it was that time in your life that kind of compelled you to start doing these things like writing more and pl- and playing the guitar and drawing? Was there I mean was it just you know, because you were in a, a difficult time and, and wanted to have some kind of a maybe distraction or was it something deeper, like some insight about yourself was revealed to you through these trials? I think what was revealed to me most prominently at the time was I'm not going to live forever. Mm. And so I was very aware of my mortality. I was very aware that our time is limited and I was also very aware of how alone I was in the world. And that didn't seem sad to me. It actually seemed very motivating. It was the first time that I really realized through the loss of these people in my life and also just feeling very isolated because my friends couldn't really understand what I was going through. I realized if I want to make the life I want, I'm the only person who can do this. So there was kind of a... I had this moment where there's sort of a, a voice that was telling me, like, you got to do this. You gotta, <laughs> you've got to make the life you want. And so I just, I just had this kind of insane explosion of discipline and perseverance. And it was so easy for me to go after these things I wanted because I was so aware that there was really no time like the present. And I had just spent my whole 20s kind of waiting for life to happen. And I had to really seize it. Yeah, I, I can relate totally. And I think it's these challenges, these very difficult times when those kind of emotions come out. And yeah, I think facing mortality is empowering in a lot of ways too. So I totally relate with you on that. But it is so interesting how how those difficult times are often like the time when we grow the most and we also kind of switch into a different reality almost in in our life, you know, and and I've experienced a a very similar thing. Okay, so you you started this Instagram account and you 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 initially made it private as kind of that's how I started too, which is funny. Oh, that is funny. Um, And then so people started noticing, right? And people and and your drawings started resonating with people and you started gaining somewhat of a somewhat of a following um at what point were you like wow this is kind of crazy like there's a lot of people <laughs> following me and at what point did you realize that you were uh that people were really resonating with your work i think i have that point 
every day, <laughs> every day for the past two years, I've had a point where I, I think this is nuts. But I think as soon as strangers started following me, that was pretty wild. It's still as wild as it was two years ago when I got the first 10 or so strangers. There was one post I did early on, and I remember it got 100 likes, which is like more likes than I've ever gotten for anything. That's like more (laughs) than I had ever seen. It was that was a wild moment. I thought, am I going viral? Like that is this viral? Um, <laughs> I had a similar it, experience actually. I had like, really? I told my brother, I hadn't told anybody about my account. Right. And then finally, mm. maybe six months into it, I had like 300 likes on a photo and I showed my brother, he goes, dude, you're like famous. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I just, that's funny. You can totally. Keep, keep totally. I mean, yeah. it's so relative, right? It's like, you know, the internet's a crazy place, but it was really funny when I when I was first starting. It was just like, oh my god, like what's happening? It was, it felt so beyond me. Mm-hmm. It felt like I couldn't really tell what people were were liking about my work. I couldn't tell. It was so bizarre that people were looking at it that I I didn't really know what I was to them. Like, yeah. why are people interested in this very specific random person's little thoughts. I I couldn't quite figure it out. And I still I still am a bit unclear because so much of your consumption of art and writing is projection, what you project from your own experience. But I did find that very surprising. And I remember my mom getting really into it, which was great because I'm not married. I don't have kids. This is like the one thing I can give my mom is, is <laughs> Instagram, Instagram <laughs> success. And um, I remember we were sitting in church together on Easter Sunday. And I think I was, I was going to maybe hit a thousand followers that morning. And so we were being so rude. We would look at the, at my phone every few minutes and and be like, 997 and by the end of the service I was at a thousand and we went out to celebrate and that was hallelujah and that felt hallelujah exactly (laughs) and that felt more significant to me than 500,000 you know it was like it was such an exciting moment and just felt so beyond what I had ever dreamed um but the cool thing was because I was really wanting to get this book out I realized then that, oh, this is the potential for a platform. This word I had heard so much about, like, I know I have to have a platform. And I've been trying so hard to get my essays out into the internet and um, been trying to get my name out there. And I thought, oh, maybe I can use this. Like, maybe this is how my name is going to get out there so I can finally Mm. publish my book, which was my big dream. So. Thank you, Instagram. (laughs) This is great. (laughs) Nice. I love it. Yeah, that's relatable what you say about people relating to your unique experiences that you post about. I think, I mean, your account is very personal and it's it's much more personal than than Think or Prosper say or or many other ones. Um, And I think that's why it's been so successful. But still, I can relate to you. And I I think it's interesting that people like sometimes the more specific a post is, um, the more people relate. And, you know, we have this illusion of that we're unique in some way. 
but really the human condition is um oh it's the human condition right it's not your condition and that's just such an interesting phenomenon don't you think oh my gosh it's it's wild yeah i've learned so much about humans from doing this because I have always, my whole life, felt very different from other people. Like, I've just never really fit in anywhere. And I have friends. I have great friends and family. But I I don't feel like I belong anywhere. I never have. And so it was so wild to me that I'm I'm writing from my own experience, which to me, it's funny that, that now people will call me relatable. And I work with companies who say, we need relatable content. So, you know, give us some illustrations. I don't think I am relatable. I don't think that my life has been usual in almost any way. But you realize how similar everyone is no matter what. And you're right that the more specific I am, sometimes I even I try to kind of push push it a little bit and get so specific and just wonder <laughs> if anyone's going to resonate with this. And that's always like the most popular post. It's crazy. <laughs> so funny. Such a paradox. Yeah. Um, how do you deal with, because I, I know that you kind of alluded to the fact that you're, I don't know, somewhat confused, maybe uncomfortable by the fact that so many strangers follow you. And don't let me put words into your mouth here, but I try not to think about about that because it kind of messes with my head. And I'm just wondering how you deal with being because I, I know that you, you probably did not start off wanting to be a quote unquote influencer or something like right. that. Uh, how did you how do you deal with that? Yeah. You know, I don't I I don't think about it that much. I think mm-hmm. I think for a couple of reasons that I, I started when I was a little older, so I wasn't like 20. It didn't, it didn't feel connected to my self-worth or even my career much at all. When I started, especially, it just felt like a little thing that I did. And so it's, it's exhilarating and it's incredible to have so many people connecting with me and so many people really resonating with my work. But like I said, it's so much projection and people are going to interpret my work and anyone's work however however they're they're going to interpret it and i've realized i really have so little control over what they think about me or what they think about what i'm doing what they think my life is like and so that's been the only kind of strange challenge is having a lot of people assume that they know a lot about me and and then coming to a sort of uh, conclusion that people do really interpret anything creative based on their own life experiences. And at the end of the day, if they find something meaningful that I've done, that's wonderful. I really, really love and appreciate it. But I'm also just one person putting my thoughts out there. And, And so we're both doing, we're both coming at it from our own places in our own specific life experiences. So the idea that I'm an influencer in a in a literal sense actually influencing people, I don't feel that way at all because I feel like people are going to <laughs> to look at it however they want to and yeah, I don't think about it a, a ton, which is I think it's lucky because I think you could go a little crazy if you thought yeah. about it too much. 
Yeah, definitely. I've been there. And sometimes Vanessa will be like, you know, look how many people are, are watching. Look how many people you inspire. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's, let's not think about that. Let's yeah. just go back to why I started, right? Because exactly. why you started something is really, that's what's, that's, it's like people want the original album of the artist, you know, like that, right. that fire, that passion. And it's kind of the same thing with in, I think in our line of work, but I did have kind of an epiphany the other day when I was going through, actually Vanessa was reading me some direct messages. People, you know, I'm sure you get hundreds of emails and messages with people telling you how your work has influenced their lives. And, you know, regardless of whether or not you're trying to um, help people, you end up doing that, I think, in, on, on some level because people can relate. But the epiphany I had was that, you know, this person, you know, they messaged Think Grow Prosper and they said, hey, thanks so, thank you so much. Your account has been so helpful. You know, you've helped me stop overthinking and all X, Y, Z, all these things that I've helped them stop doing. And I'm just like, um, that's cool, but I'm still working on all those things. So it's cool that right, I've helped you right. do that. But yeah. so it's that kind of this weird phenomenon, I guess you can still help people even if you haven't mastered something yourself or even if you have even if you haven't overcome something yourself and in part i think that's a lot of what you do like you're just kind of expressing yourself and observing things about you know the world around you and your life and in doing so i mean you're not giving any directives necessarily or you know your posts aren't prescriptive but you do still help people it's kind of like music right mm -hmm. music isn't there's not like necessarily directions on how to live a good life in, in music but some songs help people get through hard times and absolutely i just think that's so interesting oh totally i mean it's hard it's hard it's certainly hard to see myself this way because you can never see yourself the way that other people see you but yeah. i have been so healed by stories and when someone is honestly telling their own story, I think it's very empowering to be more accepting of my own story. And I was mm. just thinking about that because we're coming to around the time of year when my dad died and I have a lot of these feelings coming up. And because we were estranged, I don't, I don't really know if I'm quote allowed to grieve in the same way as other people can for people they were really close to. And I just, I was thinking about how few stories there are out there that I've heard of people who are grieving family members that they've been estranged from. And I had a really hard time with that when I was going through grief. It was, it was very isolating and it was very hard to understand my own emotions. I didn't feel like any resource for grief really resonated with me. But there was one album that was entirely about the singer's, um, the death of his estranged mother. And it was a life raft for me. Like it, I was mm. so desperate for it. And he wasn't telling me what to do. He wasn't giving advice. He was just talking about his own feelings. Yeah. And because of that honesty, I felt like there was a space for me to go through my own process and feel empowered in my own story. 
and therefore be a more present person and a better friend and a better worker because I was confident in my own life experience. And I think when you're doubting your own life experience, you think you're the only one, it makes you a lot less able to just to be your full self. Um, Claiming your stories is so important. And I think that honest storytelling really helps us do that. I totally agree. It's like coming from the field that I come from, personal development is sometimes really narrowly defined. It's like, oh, it's like self-help books and, you know, success and whatever. But I think that personally, I view personal development as such a a broader set of um, parameters and it's it's anything that just helps you live in the world and i mean your account could be one of those music could be could be one of those um one of those things and i think it's personal development isn't always about you know life advice it's something just it's sometimes just about having something to relate to or someone you can relate to um and i think stories you're right are so powerful for that yeah just feeling less alone yeah, yeah. I wanted to to switch gears here a little bit. You mentioned that you work with brands and I've I've seen you work with several brands and I love the way you do it. You you're so um clever and tactful about how you how you integrate uh, messages from from brands into your work and people love it too. Your audience seems to to really resonate partnering with brands and and things like that. This is, or this is our current social media reality, right? And Mm -hmm. uh, I just want your take on, well, I have a few questions about this, but my first question is how did, how did those partnerships with you kind of come about? Did they reach out to you? Um, How did those evolve? Yeah, I guess we'll, we'll start there. Yeah. So I do them. I do them on my own page. Very rarely. I've actually only done two and then I, but I have a couple more coming up. Um, and then I do them for other companies, Instagram pages as well. And mm. they've been reaching out to me pretty early on. I think, I think maybe I had about 50,000 followers or so when I got my first email. And so they approached me and mm. up until very recently, a few months ago, I was adamantly against advertising mm-hmm. and um, for probably obvious reasons. I thought that my account was my diary. It wasn't, I didn't want anyone feeling like I was doing this for any motive other than just self-expression. I thought that it might kind of mess with my creative process and make me more aware of followers and engagement and all of that. And I didn't, Mm. I used to work in marketing. I didn't want to to blend the two worlds. Um, I just wanted this pure my my pure art, my art for the world. And I think that's the way that a lot of people want their art to be very pure. And what they what they mean by that is not not corrupted by <laughs> by capitalism, essentially. Yeah. Um, but then I got to a point where I I looked back on the past two years of making a drawing every day, and this is something from my heart. I put my literal tears onto these pages and I've sacrificed so much to get to where I am and to be a full-time artist and to provide these connections for people that we were just talking about. And I thought, you know, 
free art every day for two years. I can, I can get paid now. <laughs> I'm ready to get paid. <laughs> and ever since then, I've actually been very adamant about artists getting paid. And, you know, I, I am lucky to be in the position to decline companies um, whose values I don't completely agree with. But I think that artists do take on a lot of responsibility for being so completely pure and so completely aligned. And other people in other um, jobs don't necessarily have to do that. There's a lot of pressure on artists Mm, to be very conscious and extremely thoughtful about the work they do for different brands. And that I think that's, I think that's probably the only profession that has that much pressure. Yeah. And the, (laughs) at the end of the day, artists are working so hard to pour their hearts out and deserve to get paid like anyone else. So that's where I am now on my, on my journey. Absolutely. No, I, I I agree with you. And I I think that's an important point that artists and, and other, I mean, influencers, writers, creators of, of any sort, freelancers that are creating content for free, really good content for free. It's important to know that they have to be supported somehow. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, you know, I sometimes see comments on maybe a, a, a sponsored post that an influencer does that are kind of disparaging and, uh, oh, you know, why are you selling out or whatever? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, are, are you, are you selling out when you go to your job? Like, right. no, you have to feed your, you have to feed your family. Exactly. And I think this is just kind of a lack of understanding of kind of economics and how the internet works. And I think it's important to to delineate that whole uh, process. And the idea is if you're getting – as a consumer, if you're getting free content that you enjoy, somebody has to pay pay for that, right? Mm-hmm. So either you're going to pay for that and I certainly do not want to pay for um, an Instagram you know, to go on my Instagram, sure. I don't want to have to pay for that, right? Yeah. Or you could deal with just a couple sponsored posts <laughs> where your, you know, your favorite influencer, your favorite artist, your favorite creator, it partners with a brand in a fun way yeah. so, that they can, so, so, so that they can continue to produce art for you. Otherwise, they're going to have to go get a job and they're not going to be able to produce this content <laughs> they, that you like. Exactly. My thoughts exactly. I I completely agree. Um, I don't want to have to charge my followers. I don't want them to feel right. like they have to send me money. They've I mean, some of them have said, you know, we'll set up a PayPal or something for you to get art supplies and it's so sweet, but I also live in New York and I have to eat. Yeah. And um right. I I think there's this very romantic view of the artist as a truly selfless bohemian starving creative Mm. person who just wants to make and there's a a part of that there's a part of any artist who does have these these very pure intentions to just emote and um and create from their heart but it's also a job and it's exhausting and I go to an office every day to make art and to um, Mm -hmm. do all the things that someone has to do in order to do it for a living. And so this is one way that I can get paid. And it's, I really, really appreciate the brands who 
do support artists in a very real way and um not just a not just a trade but actual money mm. it's i really mm-hmm. have grown to appreciate that and really appreciate the fans who um who do understand and who are very supportive of that i've gotten certainly many many more positive comments than negative ones so i'm very grateful yeah um speaking of of negative comments i, I wanted i'm just curious how you deal with let's say trolls or criticism mm-hmm. because i know that whatever you do and whatever i mean even if you're on instagram if you're just in life if you're doing something cool and you're attracting attention there's always going to be some level of people who i mean don't like it and that's fine mm-hmm. but then there's the 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 ones who are very vocal about it in a somewhat irrational way how do you deal with that kind of a thing i i've actually seen um well, maybe this is your approach um, in general, but I've seen one post of yours that was really clever, and mm. it's 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 like this kind of troll-looking person who's who's saying, "Oh, you're such a bitter woman," or something like yeah. that, and, and and you kind of in in your drawing you kind of answer this troll in a very articulate way that kind of diffuses that comment. But I'm just wondering how you deal with it in general. Um, certainly drawing it out does, <laughs> does help. <laughs> it's something I deal with every day. I think the idea that a person can just make vulnerable, sensitive art and then shut off vulnerability and sensitivity when the trolls come, that's, yeah. that's a lie. I I have so many friends who would say, oh, you know, just brush it off. They're, they're sad, they're jealous, whatever. But it doesn't feel like that when they're saying, mean things to you it feels terrible and Mm -hmm. people will say oh for every troll there is 50 people who love you but i don't even want one (laughs) you know i don't want one at all (laughs) it's weird that there's even one um when i'm just making things for fun out of the pureness (laughs) of my heart it's like i didn't ask for this i didn't ask for criticism. So it's, it is very challenging, but I do have this little recurring character who is a little purple fuzzy troll. And I give him this little kind of like goofy voice. And I try to talk to him and give him love. And that is one way that I deal with it. (laughs) But it is so hard. I just, I always come back to, um, I often come back to Brene Brown for just about everything, but Mm. she talks a lot about the only the only opinion that matters is the one of someone who's also in the arena with you. So if you're mm. if you're both fighting in the arena, that person gets to say something. The spectators yeah. don't get to say something. And so that helps me mentally separate them from the people whose opinions actually matter. And of course it doesn't feel good. It is such a human impulse to defend yourself and it doesn't feel good when I feel like someone's judging me or or um or judging my my life or my choices. This is a person who doesn't know me and my impulse is to say you actually don't know that and you don't know how hard I'm working through that. But what do they care? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not worth my right. time. So it's an ongoing challenge for sure. Yeah, definitely definitely challenging. There could be a, a thousand positive comments, but it's very easy for me, at least, too, to focus on the one negative comment that is like 
disparaging and, 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 and talking smack. And it's so crazy because rationally, I know that that's not helpful and, uh-huh. and it's not actually the real – it's not a, a true picture of of my audience, mm-hmm. but it's still very difficult. So I'm I'm with you there. <laughs> You're just scanning for the bad one. It's like your eyes are just looking. Know, right? It's so crazy. It's <laughs> like I know it's in there somewhere. Yeah. There it is. Yep, you'll you'll find it. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about kind of your trajectory and how you how you got to to where you are. Um, you're I mean you're an artist. You're coming out with a book, and you know you've written for for a good portion of your life too. Have these been common themes throughout your entire career? What what does your career trajectory kind of look like? And is this is this all kind of new or, or are these kind of themes that have that have been present throughout? I guess a better question is, are these things that you knew you wanted to do for for a long time? Or is it a fairly new um, occurrence? <laughs> um I have to laugh because I have the most scattered resume ever. Um, no, the answer is no. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I started, I started the Instagram account when I was 28. I'm 31 now, and I've always liked to write, but I've just never had an outlet for it. I've, I've had blogs, <laughs> but I. I think about 10 people read them. Um, so my my career. I say that that's a very strong word, um, (laughs) has always been a hot mess throughout my twenties. I always had about three jobs going at any time just before I, I got my book deal. I finally kind of had a nine to five that was working for me in marketing, but that was just as random as me working in a boutique with a side hustle as a barista. None of it was what Mm. I really wanted to be doing, but what I wanted to be doing didn't make any money and no one was, no one was catching on. What I wanted to be doing was writing, but I didn't have an outlet mm. for it. I didn't, I wasn't getting accepted. I didn't have much time to do it. So I figured I would write a novel when I was like 65 and just have a lifetime of, of weird jobs <laughs> to write about. <laughs> so I was always looking, I always looked yeah. at work as a way to make money. And then I would do the things I really cared about outside of work and even making money was not really what I was doing. So I'm very lucky that I now um, have a sort of a job that not only I'm interested in doing, but actually pays money. It's, it's the first time. So no, my career has been all over the place. And really at this point, I wouldn't have it any other way because it has given me so much inspiration. So ultimately grateful. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I have a, of a similar tra- trajectory, um, <laughs> a very varied career, let's call it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I wonder, what do you think is the most important thing you've done or one of the most important things you've done to kind of get the ball rolling on your current path, say? And, you know, right now you're doing work that you really like mm-hmm. and your uh, kind of passion, I guess, is aligned with making money and supporting yourself. This is different for everyone. And I don't think there's a specific blueprint to do this, but there are tools, I think. And then there are certain approaches and there are certain, uh, I think, similarities between people who kind of end up 
in that position. What's what's what, what are some things or maybe one thing that you've um, that's been important or instrumental in you kind of getting the ball rolling on this path? Hmm. Yeah, in a in a really practical way, the first thing that comes to mind is just self-publishing consistently. And I'm speaking mm. about my Instagram account here, but um, like I said, I also kept a blog. It didn't have very many readers, but it was an essential practice for me throughout my 20s just to get in yeah. that creative space. And consistency was really important. I think that's so important to get, if you are interested in getting more eyes on your work, consistency is pretty important. Yeah. Um, so that's the, that's the very tangible advice I would give. And, you know, I have so many people email me and say, I really, you know, I'm in this, this job that's fine. It's stable, but I really want to be a writer. What would be your suggestion for quitting my job and pursuing writing full time? And to me, that was never an option. I don't have a safety net, family safety net. And I've, always felt really stressed out about money. So to me, I would always say do consistent, you know, smaller work and just keep the faith and, and keep, keep self-publishing um, so that you don't have to worry about getting rejected because Instagram can't reject you, which is really nice. But the more maybe kind of spiritual or abstract answer is to just have a lot of life experiences, or at least embrace a lot of life experiences. Like I said, I'm so thankful that I had a decade full of totally weird jobs and more importantly, totally weird travels. And even though I never made much money, I would always squirrel away some money to be able to travel by myself. And I've dated a lot of people. Mm. I've been friends with a lot of people. I've met a lot of people. I love talking to strangers. And I think all of these life experiences, uh, many at the time I thought were totally useless or totally miserable, but they, they show up so much in my work and I'm so, so grateful for them. And I'm so glad I didn't start this when I was 20 because I wouldn't really have anything to say. So, so I'm grateful for <laughs> a decade of, of, um, you know, weird stories to tell. Yeah. No, that's important. And I re really like what you said about kind of just being out there consistently. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite books is Show Your Work mm -hmm. by Austin Kleon. Yes. And um, yeah, I mean, he talks about that too. It, it, it's like, I think a lot of people want to be polished and not until they have their magnum opus do they want to be out in, in the public eye. Exactly. But... What's interesting, the interesting part that people want to see is how you got the magnum opus, how you created right. your, your great work and, and that whole process. And so showing the process like you described is, I think, in itself, great content and also a great way to get discovered. So that's that's really important. Absolutely. And, and what you said about day jobs, you know, or what you said about like having a job, I think, is is important too. A lot of people want to quit their job. They hear these like success stories mm -hmm. where, oh, I, I quit my job and it's, I've done it. It's very stressful. Like if you have a steady paycheck, that's, if you have a steady paycheck and you want to do something else, like you want to venture out on your own, you want to be an artist, you want to be a um, entrepreneur or whatever it is, the most powerful tool you have is your paycheck. 
I think because mm-hmm. you, that that funds mm-hmm. your art, that funds your entrepreneurial uh, ventures, etc. So Absolutely. that's also a really good point you made. Yes, yes. I have more things I want to ask you. I know we're kind of getting close on time here. Are you good to go for for a few minutes longer? Absolutely, yeah. Cool. So I, I want to talk about your book and what that's all about. But before I get there, I am really curious. You are very observant person as evidenced by your art and i think you have a kind of an uncanny ability to describe things in in ways that are are very unique and and i guess relatable um where did that come from i mean where did your observe like your ability to observe come from was that something that you cultivated or something you you were born with Mm, it's a good question i think i think it's both I think Mm. I was born an extremely sensitive person, which is helpful to observation Mm -hmm. because you're just so aware of everything going on around you. I think it was growing up an only child and, and being a pretty weird little kid. And so not fitting in (laughs) at school was helpful because I spent a lot of time with adults and I felt very comfortable with adults, but adults don't want to hang out with a, little kids. So when I was with them, I would just be watching them. And I would go out to eat a lot with my parents and their friends, and I would just watch. And so I think part of it was upbringing, which at the time I did not feel thankful for, and now I really do. But there's also something you can do to be more observant, which I wasn't aware of at the time, but put yourself in situations where you feel uncomfortable. And I think because I've always felt pretty different from other people. Um, Even in a crowd of misfits, I felt like a misfit. I just never felt like I really had my people. I always felt a little uneasy in any situation and therefore spent a lot of time watching, just looking at people. And I have such a rich Mm. internal monologue I think always feeling a little bit between two worlds at any given time. And so there was just so much going on in my head. So I think, I think I was born to be an observationist, but I also think to cultivate that accidentally, I just kept putting myself in weird situations. Like I, right after college, I moved to um, South America to teach English and I didn't speak Spanish and I don't know why I did that. (laughs) I don't know why I kept doing these things, but it was like, oh yeah, that's the thing to do. And so for the first six months or so, again, just watching people because I didn't really have friends and I couldn't really get immersed into uh, the city there. So I was just kind of hanging out and writing in my journal about things that I saw. So all of these, these sort of offbeat experiences, I I put myself, I put myself into these situations. Wow. That's a really interesting piece of advice. I like that. (laughs) So put yourself in uncomfortable, weird situations that that you're you're not used to. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do it. (laughs) That's cool. I mean, I think, yeah, novel situations, they make your brain work in, in new and different ways. And you notice different things. Like I think, that makes sense just from a psychological perspective too. It's, it's like if you're doing a routine every day, like you, you drive to work on autopilot sometimes if, you, if, you, if you've driven the same path, you know, every, mm-hmm. every day for the past 20 years, 
you're not going to notice the, the new building, say, or you're not going to notice things. But if you're in a new novel environment with people that maybe you wouldn't normally associate with, you're going to notice more things and just kind of train your brain to be more observant. So that makes sense. Absolutely. Yes. Do you think that is kind of a big contributing factor to you being able to do work that relates to so many people is your ability to observe and just your kind of life history? Yes. Yeah. 100%. I mean, again, I don't think of myself as relatable because I'm just, I'm just a person. (laughs) And again, because I've always felt different from other people, it's surprising that so many people can relate. Um, It's funny. One of my first stranger followers was like a really beautiful teenage girl who is clearly like a popular cheerleader. And I thought, how is this, Uh (laughs) how is this person (laughs) getting what I have to say? This has never happened before. But um, I do think, yeah, I think that it's hyper observation that, that has given me the tool to just notice things that probably other people don't notice. Again, it's it's hard to know what I notice versus what other people do. But from what I've heard, yeah. they'll say, oh, you, you talk about feelings I didn't know I had, or you make me see things that mm. I didn't realize were there. And because of that, I realized, oh, I do have this superpower of being a little removed. And therefore, I can, I can find things that that might elude other people, which is obviously, um, I'm really grateful for. Mm, Yeah. Let's talk about superpowers, actually, because I think of superpowers as something that is, you know, very easy for you to do, sometimes unconsciously so, and usually difficult for most other people to do. And I've heard well, I'd like to hear what your what you think your biggest strength or superpower is. And then I want to ask you about a, a superpower that you've mentioned that I've heard you talk about before. But what do you think your your biggest superpower is? I think that it's the fact that I've had some tough times, different types of tough times, not just grief and loss and heartbreak, but um, serious illness, trauma, uncertainty, disappointment, rejection. And I think my superpower is turning those into stories that make people feel less alone. Mm. That's powerful. And I think this ties in with something that I've heard you say, that that you have a very good emotional memory. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was a very interesting way to put it. This is, you know, you describe it as the ability to put names or uh, you put names to emotions um, or to be vulnerable. And I think this might be even foundational, more foundational than what you described. I, I think maybe this ability possibly, and you tell me if, if this is if this is right or not, but might be the reason why you're able to tell those stories in ways that connect with people. The, the, I want you to talk about what you mean by emotional memory and your ability to put names to emotions and be vulnerable. Because this, this isn't actually something – I know this is a superpower for you because it's not something that comes naturally mm-hmm. for me. Where did that come from and what's that all about? That's so funny. It's really something I've just realized I had in the past year, which is exactly how you describe the superpower. It's like um, – I mean, I've always been a storyteller. I think that was something that I did realize was – that was something I had to work a little harder on. but. But this, 
this trait that you are talking about, I I totally did not know that other people didn't have that until, <laughs> um, and really so recently, like most of the the comments I get are to the extent of, yeah, you give me a name for something I was feeling and I didn't know what I was feeling. And that's just not something that's ever been hard for me. And I didn't realize it was not easy for everyone. And this emotional memory, this is also something I didn't realize um, I had, which is that I can remember very specifically how I felt at a certain time years ago. So I have, I may not remember the specifics mm-hmm. of what happened, but I can remember how I felt. And mm. that's something that has always made forgiveness a little challenging for me. And um, (laughs) I realized, man, it would be a lot easier to forgive if I could like, if I didn't remember, (laughs) but I, I remember the way that I felt and I can put myself back there. And that's a skill that comes in handy for what I do because a lot of my art now references things that happened many years ago. And so that that's very helpful for being a writer and artist. It's not so helpful for being a friend, but I'm working on it. <laughs> so is this something that you were born with or is this another skill that you kind of cultivated somehow? I think I must have been born with it. Yeah. I mean, like right. I said, I just realized I had it. So. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I mean I have always been a journaler. I've always I've kept millions and millions mm. of journals. And so I think that that probably helped because I was always always writing about the way that I felt. And so maybe maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, that 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 seems pretty plausible. Also, I think it's worth noting that you're not a professionally trained artist. I mean, you're <laughs> this is something that you didn't go to school for. And I think that's awesome. I think that's so awesome and it's so empowering too because I mean you're you're making a career out of something that you just kind of self-taught. And has not being professionally trained, um, quote unquote professionally trained, you know, been a help or a hindrance for you in this in this arena? Oh, I totally recommend it to everyone because you're not comparing yourself. It's like, I, yeah. I literally started illustrating. I'd never done it. Um, I started when I was 28 and I think it's pretty obvious. I've never taken a drawing class. Actually, I have taken a drawing class and I failed it. So I definitely do not have any training. And I think it's been really good for me because I was doing it as such a fun hobby. I wasn't doing it to win any awards. and. Mm. I think it's it's been very freeing because I'm not comparing myself to other people. I know I'm not a good artist, technically speaking. And so it's just been, it's very liberating. It's liberating now that I'm in New York and I'm meeting a lot of amazing visual artists like the New Yorker cartoonists who have all been really, really kind to me. But they're oh. like amazing artists and I feel like such a phony next to them but I'm also doing such different work and so it doesn't it doesn't affect me but it is nice to to stumble into something you didn't mean to do because you have no expectations for it at all yeah that's awesome and I mean I think it's all relative like art good art is relative totally and it's all it's all subjective too like someone you know, maybe the first person who saw Picasso's art would have been like, this is weird, dude. Absolutely. Like, what is this? Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, th- that's the beauty of art. But 
So you're coming out with a book, I think in, in March here, and it's it's called mm-hmm. Am I There Yet? The Loop the Loop Zigzagging Journey to Adulthood. So, I mean, how did it come about? I, I know you mentioned originally that you kind of started to uh, write some essays early on. Is this an extension of that? Is this kind of just um, building upon those essays? And what inspired you to to come out with this book now? Yeah, this is the book I've been writing for years. I It's the same concept mm. as what I described earlier. It's about places that mm-hmm. I lived or visited in my 20s and what I learned in each place. And so um, it's sort of my journey through the world, but also through young adulthood and when I first started it, when I was about 26, I thought I had so many life experiences to talk about. And so I had all these essays. It was mostly about dating and traveling and friendship and decorating my apartment. And then when I dealt with grief and serious illness and some other curveballs, then I had quite a bit more content. So now it feels it's very special to me. Most of it was written a few years ago, so it's um, it's certainly a moment in time. But it's it's a culmination of my creativity with essays and original illustrations. So it's it's sort of the story of my becoming. So are these kind of stories that explain the photos in, in a little bit more detail? I mean, yeah, is, is that exactly. Kind of the idea? Exactly. I, I kind of describe it as expanded, my expanded Instagram account. It's like the stories <laughs> behind a lot of the illustrations, much more about uh, the details of, of what happened during these periods of my life that gave me a lot of inspiration to do art. That's really cool. I'm super excited about that. Was it challenging to find a publisher that could kind of match your vision and and go with it. Um, how did that How did that come about? How did the book deal materialize? Oh, I had an awesome agent who um, who got me when I had just a couple thousand Instagram followers. So she wasn't she wasn't impressed by the numbers. Mm. She was. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. She was. She really took a That's chance awesome. on me, and she was more interested in my writing, which meant a lot to me because my writing feels really personal to me and is is my my roots are in writing not illustration and so it was Mm. really lovely that she really fought for the book as I had originally intended it to be which was mostly writing and by the time we went out with it to publishers I had quite a following and a lot of them I think would have been happy to just drop the essays because they wanted a book of illustrations, which is very marketable, very right. commercial. And the essays were so, so important to me and to my agent as well. So we found a publisher who is great and focuses mostly on art books. So they made it really beautiful and they kept the essays, which is so, so lovely. And um, so now it's, it's a, it's a mix of both. And I sort of think of it almost as like a cookbook, like you can open it to any page and you'll there'll be something to say, but if you go through it page by page, then you get a different experience. So it's a it's kind of choose your own adventure. <laughs> That's yeah, fun. I love those kind yeah. of books. Very cool. And when does that come out? That's March twenty seventh. And can you just say the name of it again? Sure. It's called Am I There Yet? Very cool. Well, Mari, this has been such a fun conversation. I hope we can 
kind of connect again and maybe I have I have more questions for you. Um, I think you're a really interesting person. I think you have some other views that I want to get into, which would be fun. So hopefully we can connect again at some I point. I would love that. Thank you so much. This was really, really delightful. We'll talk soon, Mari. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to the Think Grow podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, there are two ways you can support it. The first is by subscribing to this podcast so you receive the newest episodes as soon as they're released. The second is by taking just a minute to leave a rating and review on iTunes. I would greatly appreciate this because it really helps me out. And finally, if you have any suggestions for future guests or topics you'd like to hear covered or anything like that, you can email us at podcast at thinkgrowprosper.org. Again, that's podcast at thinkgrowprosper.org. Thank you.